for this type of show through the artistry of Mike One and all that an old copy of Microsoft Word has to offer. This is the Oscar Race Checkpoint, uh, your weekly look around everything award season and Oscar-centric, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Yeah, the blue looks snazzy. I thought look it was a that, good, huh? you good see that? contrast. I, there's nothing Microsoft Word offers that I can't master, and only <laughs> that. I'm terrible at Excel. We had a, I had a project in uh, college. I was working for the athletic department one time. We mm-hmm. had to do something in Excel. I was lost. No idea what I was doing. So my resume is not truthful. I think neither of us are... <laughs> artists <laughs> i'll just put that as a blanket statement but it's also true for literal visual you know the visual arts right like right. i am not like i'm surprised like our first like we probably should have leaned into we should have leaned into something like two girls on a bench where they have this you know really adorable drawing the of hand two girls drawing on, and the, the hands hand dra- and yeah yeah it like, should have been what we did we should have done something cutesy like that instead we got this beautiful you know visual artist who make all our logos and then we try to put our stupid shit on top of there yeah and hand, yeah it's not it's not a great look it'll probably be the very last thing you and I master is to get our <laughs> visuals where we need to and we're trying to get it together for a website these days and I'm just like oh my god i'm overwhelmed it's, when i it's think the about mmo it. touch is what it is that's what every <laughs> every great piece of art needs that little bit of something off kilter and off center and quite frankly yes wrong so mike what do we have today what are we covering and what's going on with the orc this episode oh well, amazingly we got our fourth oscar race checkpoint episode in three weeks and we are in like the dead zone of all dead zones christopher walking walking is staring at me out my window he's levitating right now because we are in the dead zone of all dead zones but there's there's oscar news uh dropping and there's a tenant trailer that we're going to start the show off there's new best picture odds at the end of it there's a huge oscar story right in the middle so a lot to talk about all right so let's dive right in the quick mention that christopher walken playing the same character in both the dead zone and the fat boy slim uh weapons of mass destruction weapon to kill what was that that music video he was in where he was walking on air there oh god it's on the tip of my tongue yeah like save me not save me (laughs) (laughs) this will be the episode what was that fat boy slim License to, to kill or something you. like that. God damn it! Now I have I want to, to look serve up. you. Uh, I want to save you. I, oh God. no, that's that's the other weapon praise of choice. You. Praise weapon you. of choice. Weapon of choice. Weapon of choice. Praise no. you was the one in the mall where all the people were dancing around. Weapon of choice was the one where Christopher Walken was walking on air. Pretend I did that joke in one take, and I'm going to leave all this in without an edit. And that's the type of show you, dear listener, are getting today. <laughs> Mike, you said it. Let's start with the second trailer for the Christopher Nolan movie Tenant that dropped on us yesterday. It would have been really weird if Christopher Walken's dead zone <laughs> character was the same as his dancing in the mall it character. Is. Same guy. Anyway, the Tenet trailer. First off, a ton of action movie goods here. We have gunfights. We have car chases. We have wrestling matches. We see some of the big set pieces that we did not see in the last trailer with the plane, with, with all this cool stuff. This looks like a summer blockbuster if I've ever seen one. Yeah, this is Christopher Nolan, right? Make it big, make it loud, make it impressive, and make people say WTF is going on. 
I'm also really happy that John David Washington is doing all kinds of uh, physical things in this trailer because the dude was a pro ball player. He was an NFL player, and he is really, to his credit, and in more respect to him, he hasn't you know, had the career where he started out as an action movie guy or had to start out as an action movie guy. He start out, started out as a true thespian. You know, maybe his dad being his dad helps a little bit there. But You think? Very, yeah, but very smart, very <laughs> smart career choices on his part. This is like his first, you know, role where he's running upstairs and he's wrestling dudes in SWAT team masks and he's, you know, he's all over this trailer. I mean, he's literally scaling buildings. Yeah, it is very impressive. I agree. And I'm happy it's pretty much, at least from the first two trailers, it looks like this is his complete showcase with yeah. in this giant blockbuster. It's I don't know what more you could ask for to establish yourself as a mainstream star. He should be an Oscar-nominated actor at this point, and mm-hmm. he could be an action star just after watching right. this trailer. So it's exciting news for him. Martin Donovan is kind of pissing me off in this trailer, though, Mike. You don't withhold information you know, to the guy on the Save the World mission, to the guy who's trying to prevent World War Three. Why are you being cutesy? Well, I'll tell you why exactly. It's because the audience needs to be told what the fuck is happening in this thing. We no, need he's someone not to be telling Mr. us enough. Is well, my yeah. Point. Well, he's got to be the guy that reveals it all at one point, and yeah. I'm hoping that's what he is because I have no clue what's happening in this movie yet. Well, I must say though, you know, the opening line of the trailer. You know, essentially, I got one word for you, tenant. It'll open the right doors, some of the wrong ones, too. That is a badass line. That is. That's very cool. And I also have no clue what it's talking about, which is all I ask for out of a trailer anymore in 2020. Elizabeth Debicki, my God, her screen presence. I mean, she's she's so tall. She's so intimidating. Those faces, like, scare the living daylights out of me. Call back to the James Bond episode that we just did. Mike, if she walked in a restaurant... Right. With that complexion, with with that face, like I would be like, check, please. I got to get out of here. There's about to be some trade crap is about to go down. The fish tank's going to explode, though, Mike. The fish tank's (laughs) going to explode. Ethan Hunt's coming. Something's happening because Elizabeth Debicki's making the crazy face. Well, this is what I was going to ask when I the first thought I had when I saw Debicki, what she was doing and what Robert Pattinson was doing, who had much more airtime in this trailer than in the first one. Which one of them is dying? Because one of them's dying. My guess is Pattinson. Yeah, my guess would be Pattinson, too. I think uh, he's improved his quality of friends, though, so you never know. Like, he went from people, <laughs> old crazy sailors, or, like, prison boat in space on his last few films. Mm-hmm. And even the Old West movie, he was with some... He was a scoundrel himself. Uh, what was that called? Damned? Or whatever. We're going to be coming up with titles to things this whole episode. Our brains aren't working. <laughs> that guy who did the thing that one time. <laughs> Mia Wasikowska movie. Anyway, <laughs> old crazy sailors are not his friends. We have real secret agents are his friends here. So I could bet on his friends, I guess. Yeah, look, uh, something that I didn't expect to have a take on. It was a little jarring to see Robert Pattinson strutting around in a tuxedo. I didn't expect it to be as jarring as it was. And that's not good for Bruce Wayne. Right? <laughs> like, Bruce Wayne should look kind of natural in a tuxedo, shouldn't he? It's a testament to all of his recent roles. I mean, okay. he's really been grubbing it up. 
I, I mean, hope he so. was as a sailor, he was disgusting, <laughs> and as a old a guy in the old west, he was disgusting. He was disgusting in space, like all of these roles. Like he was skeevy. I was just like, take a shower, and it wasn't like the cool bedhead kind of, you know, kind of, yeah. like, you know, trying to be sexy, whatever. I'm only 22. I shower twice a week. I'm still hot. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was like. You know, dude, you need to wash. A man losing his sensibility and getting angry at his own farts type of it dirty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I'm laughing so hard at that tells you a lot about me, It's a little close to home. <laughs> but we do have Robert Pattinson talking to John David Washington about his grand plan to crash a plane into a building. But wait, it's a plane that's not from the air. It's just driving into the building now. Do you think that's a little bit of a letdown village style here, or do you think that's still cool the way they show it? I think it's a misdirect. I mean, the way the way it was shot, I thought it looked impressive, but I don't think we got anything as far as what the actual plot of what's going down and what's going happening behind the scenes here is uh, is going forward because it wouldn't make sense. You have it written down here. I thought of it too. Like that would be an Austin Powers type thing. Can't someone just you could see a plane rolling towards you unless it just the time flipping and the time jumping mechanism of tenant means that some the plane just appears and it's already on its way towards your building. Uh, but I that's not the the visuals that we were given in this. It seems like everything kind of happens and then is rewound from the end point. So I would think you could stop a slow moving plane, get in there and pull out the pilot. I'm definitely going cross-eyed with all the time travel talk oh, and the God. the Austin Powers Basil exposition back and forth. I think was it in the first? Yeah, it was in the first one, right? But the slow bulldozer and Michael McDonald behind the wheel there. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the talk that they have going into it, it he's just like, "Just have fun, Austin." Yes, and you yeah. too, audience or whatever. <laughs> it's just, but this trailer is based on that conversation because john david washington at the end of this entire thing is like doesn't us being here now mean it never happened and i'm like (laughs) i I don't know what to say for that. that's the biggest hole and what they gotta fill in and probably why we're getting characters that are being a little coy and close to the vest at least that was my take they gotta do a lot of work to explain what the fuck is going on exactly with this time jumping mechanism and probably more so than they even did in inception because mm-hmm. Inception, we kind of all have had dreams within dreams, I think. Like, we've all, we all come from a basis of knowledge of understanding. Yes. Right now, the movie going public, our understanding of time travel is either Back to the Future or Avengers Endgame. You gotta, if you're gonna de- delineate or differentiate yourself from one of those two principles of time travel, you gotta be very clear and precise with what's going on and what, do, what should be expected as far as the conflict goes. I want to be an advocate of Terminator rules as well. However, yeah. you know, that's yeah. one of the, I would say a big three of terms of, that's in fair. terms of time travel rules, but it would be cool if like this becomes a Mount Rushmore time travel film, even though they say it's not really going there. Hollywood reporter just dropped an article about it's really not a time travel movie. It's just this. I hope it's little not. Gimmick. Yeah. You I know. hope it's not. I really do. I hope it's like, I hope it is a gimmick, much like mm-hmm. kind of the dream was pretty much a gimmick in Inception. I mean, it had a lot to do with what was going on, but it was a means to an end more so than anything else. Well, we're going to learn a lot about palindromes, though, Mike. And seven <laughs> seventeen. I just realized the, the release date, and I know you have notes on the release date here, that in itself is a palindrome. Yeah, and uh, the number 23... 
when I saw <laughs> that and it said everything was going to be a 23, I came out and the movie for the Simpsons movie was coming out. And the date that came out, if you added up all the date with the month, day and year, that equaled 23 as well. So numbers happen. Numbers do happen. You sound like my father <laughs> telling me how he goes on a treadmill. He's like an engineer, and he use he just plays games with the numbers. That's he doesn't want to watch TV. He doesn't want to listen to anything in his ears. So I'm like, you know, hey, Dad, you know, you got a podcast. You can listen to it while you're on the treadmill. Of course not. He just wants to be. He wants to be playing number games. Right. So that's you. Yeah. Well, except that I had a total non sequitur that meant nothing to anybody but myself. All right. Here's the two biggest takeaways I had from this Tenet trailer, and it has to do with the last three words mm. saying at the end of the trailer, and it said "coming to theaters." Yeah. All right. There's two big things that I think uh, we as movie fans are being privy to with that coming to theaters. There was no date given. Uh, most obviously, I think that's Christopher Nolan being blunt, saying, you know, FPVOD, I'm not going to do on demand with this no matter what. I'll hold out and wait until everything, everyone's dead or everyone's alive if I have to. But I'm showing this in a movie theater, and I think that's obvious. And especially if you've been listening to us or reading any of the trades, there's been nobody behind the scenes that's been more avidly, you know, campaigning for movie theaters to get back on their feet and IMAX to get back on its feet than Christopher yeah. Nolan, specifically to show this movie. So this movie's going to be seen in theaters or not at all, apparently, but it'll be in theaters. More power to him. And, right. and look, if we're all zombies in a couple months, uh, I think the action movie goods would... St I mean, it's loud enough to still get us in the theater. <laughs> like, if he's like right. a captain on a you know sinking ship and he's just i'm showing my movie to someone right and i mean don't zombies like, get attracted ah. to loud sounds anyway so naturally yeah. we would yeah i think that why works. am i he's, he's why working am I on a couple doing so many uh sound effects in this episode because we should be in video and not talk over each other perhaps i don't know but i, I gotta quit it mike your second point so the second point and i think this is the one that we're gonna be proven on to be wise here and i could be totally wrong but if this was coming out in a couple months, if you're releasing your second trailer for it, aren't you putting the date, if you were sure you're coming out and hitting that opening date in theaters? Now, the Twitter account for Tenet, the movie, still says in its bio, it's coming out 717. Warner Brothers not putting that 717 date at the end of this trailer and just saying coming to theaters, to me, suggests they are easing their stance on this movie making that date. And we've been saying on MMO for a while, the closer this has come, the closer we get to July 17th, we've been kind of looking at each other and saying, we don't think this is happening. I think this is the first sign that WB is finally saying this may not happen either. I'm a little torn because I'm almost rooting for it to happen regardless, even if only, you know, 70% of theaters are reopened when it does, you know, come out on July 17th or whatever, because in a way it would be fun to watch like a grassroots campaign of all of the non-film hubs around the country say oh yeah let's go to tenant mm -hmm. let's get excited and all you city folk you've got to go to drive-ins out in the out in the sticks and you know you and i would probably drive up to southington and we'd see it at a drive-in at the worst case scenario but at, at the other you know on the other hand i'm like i want this movie to make money for the industry that i love and i want wb to be good at the end of this and if they have to you know play bumper cars with the schedule like we've talked about with wonder woman and then dune you got to do it i get that yeah and there's 
there's the other side of this if that does stick to a 717 day if somehow this movie does do what Christopher Nolan's kind of been campaigning for it to do if it brings single-handedly brings back theaters and brings people to theaters and makes more money than expected blah 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 I mean that's an easy Oscar nomination for best picture just because of what it did if not a win for best picture just because of how it did basically saved the industry in a way but a- I think, absolutely yeah right, absolutely agree I just think that there's it still seems so unlikely to me that this movie actually makes that 717 day and WB finally blinking on that. At least that's how I read uh, the ending of this trailer makes sense to me. And it's kind of a signal that, you know, we're not going full speed ahead. We're not going a hundred percent. No doubt making that date. We're willing to be flexible. Well, I'm rooting for him regardless. We're going to see this movie regardless. We think we hope unless we really get that, you know, horrifying second wave that uh, basically shuts us down again. So, I mean, we should be able to see this movie at some point soon. God, please. Anyway, Mike, (laughs) we have some big news this week, and it's not surprising news to you and I, but Variety confirmed a story that the Academy is considering the fact that they may have to postpone the Oscars. And uh, this is a a quote from one of the sources familiar with the matter, matter, uh, told Mark Malkin of Variety, and it says, quote, it's likely they'll be postponed. So, uh, first of all, shout out to Mark Malkin, who's been phenomenal in covering uh, this story for Variety. Uh, Second of all, interesting to me, that this is kind of a leak. The Academy didn't officially pass comment to this story. Somebody right. within the Academy is talking to Mark Malkin about emails that are going back and forth between Academy members. What do we make of this, Mike? I have thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. Well, that UK report, that rumor, essentially, that we did a podcast on, or at least as our centerpiece of MMOW last week, that basically said the Oscars could move as much as four months. And that would make sense if you think about the timing of the shutdown in March, you know, March 13th or whatever that was. I remember it because my dad's birthday. And then we had July 17th as a possible opening date. Maybe it's August for, for the next big blockbuster. But essentially, if you erase four to five months of the film year, film calendar, and the ecosystem uh, is affected then therefore it would make sense for the Oscars to make a move sooner than later. Now, after listening to Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn on the latest IndieWire screen talk, they had Cameron Bailey, uh, the head of the Toronto International Film Festival or co-head of that festival on their show. It sounds like the festival's it's, it's too late to move the fall film festivals into the winter festivals or the fall film festivals into the late well, I, We talked about festivals. that. Logistically, that would be a fucking nightmare, just with hotel rooms and everything. However, if the Oscars led from the jump and said, all right, our late February date is going to be a, a mid-April date, it would have given all of the uh, award shows the ability to move back. It yep. would have then given all of the critics associations, etc. Everything would at least have had the chance to move back. 
Was that logistically possible? You and I don't necessarily know. The more we read about the film festivals in particular is that it's time sensitive when they have things booked, mm-hmm. when they have cooperation with the cities, how they work with uh, the marketing campaigns and the sponsorships and, and all of these things are time sensitive, I'm guessing. And that's the that's probably the tip of the iceberg. So it sounds to me like Cameron Bailey, Bailey is saying something TIFF is happening when TIFF happens every year. We just don't know how it's happening and to what extent it it can happen so the fall film festivals are probably going to get rocked regardless so does that necessitate the oscars moving no what would necessitate the oscars moving in my mind is if more films get pushed back i mean that that's the death now like they can get creative with the film festivals but i don't know if they can get creative with uh, a calendar year that basically erases five months and what would people stomach as far as what an Oscars ceremony would be? Are they gonna like? Are we gonna actually zoom into <laughs> Bradley Cooper winning his first Oscar from his house and like a a, t- a Kids Choice Award on Nickelodeon? Sorry, I couldn't be there, but here's a prepackaged video of me. Like, I don't think people would go for that. So, you know, I, I think there is a lot of sense to to moving it. You hit on a lot of the reasons why. I more so have questions about the repercussions if they actually do go through with moving this. So. Okay, if you move the Oscars, are we talking about a total landscape shift here? So if the Oscars push eligibility out to, like, March of 2021, let's just say, for example, for right. a ceremony that will be held in June or, or, or push eligibility out till May for a ceremony that will be held in June. Let's say they do shift it four months. It's going from February to the end of June. Eligibility uh, for deadlines and nominations is March or April or whatever. And something like that happened in the 30s. When this whole pandemic uh, started, Scott Feinberg dropped an article just immediately. He's like, this has happened before. I remember. He doesn't remember and that, it. But and that was all it. off the top of his head. Yeah. Right. He didn't have to research that whatsoever, <laughs> knowing Scott. But so, okay, if we, move the, if we move the ceremony, do we open up this pocket now? Do films get placed in Q1 of 2021 that were supposed to be awards contenders for 2020, but they still want to compete for the June Academy Awards, so they're still technically 2020 movies. They're just being shown in January and February of 2021. And does that open up people's wallets? And do we discover there's this whole fervor to go see decent movies in January and February as opposed to how January has been considered a dead month for new movies? Does that is the box office skyrocket? And then if that happens, what are we talking about happening with the 2022 Oscars, which is the lone Academy Award show that still does have its date in stone? It's being played at February 27th, 2022. Are we going to have that? Is that contractually immovable if the pandemic dies down by then do they have to have that in february of 2022 and if that is the case are we taking away half a year's worth of movies that would be eligible for that academy awards and then what happens with the ratings what happens if we go to june and the oscars are a giant hit or if we go to july or august when people are starved for live content because there's nothing out there except Mm. pro wrestling ufc in the dead of the mlb season uh, what if the Academy Awards are this giant rating success because people just want to celebrate film in the middle of summer, in the dead of summer, and does that mean there's a permanent change coming to the Academy Awards? Because we know how scared they still are about ratings and how much they pay attention to ratings despite the fact that this is no longer a ratings-driven climate as far as television goes, regardless. So I, I, there's a billion questions as far as the fallout and what they need to be looking for before they officially pull the trigger here and do move this show and the consequences it would mean to come. Okay, so I have a bunch of takes. Number one, 
is if they had a June Oscars, it would be much sweatier, and I would be the sweaty, <laughs> sweaty police. I would want to see who's perspiring as much as I usually do in 100-degree weather. Like, it would be a strange Oscars in terms of, you know, the makeup. that would the Makeup and hairstylists, they would have to be on call for everybody. That runway would be sweltering. The red <laughs> carpet would makeup be Makeup and hair gel all over the red carpet, yeah. So that would be very different. Everything would have to be light and airy and in terms of their dresses and whatever everybody's wearing. Guys in tuxes will be dying. Yeah. There's no wonder this happens in February and March when California is <laughs> probably a beautiful 65, well, I mean, 70 degrees. I mean, the ESPYs, the ESPYs <laughs> do happen every July, Mike. It's not like it's impossible to go to a red carpet in July and August I'm, in LA. I'm, I'm just thinking of myself. Here. Okay. If I ever wanted to cover this thing, I would not photograph well in Very June good. July. Okay. Just, again, why do I have to be disgusting? I don't know. Good first but, thought. <laughs> Scott Feinberg's article, I'm recollecting it now in my brain, but I think it was like a three-year scheduling change when they had to schedule a change for the one year. It okay. was based on, I believe it was based on, it, was, it wasn't a pandemic, it was the, like something involving the Great Depression, or I forget it, but they had to do, they had to change the schedule twice. They had to change it in the 40s for the war, World War II, and they had to change it in the 30s, but they changed multiple years all at once. So essentially, they, they gave you a 12-month calendar, they just... They just shifted it because there's five months that are dead and they gradually, you know, probably used using 10 month calendar years, brought it back down back to the regular, you know, film. The film calendar is the actual calendar kind of setup that they right. have now. And in terms of ratings, Mike, I have no idea. Like if they found a sweet spot uh, and, and they, they were a hit in June, I don't know what that would do. That would be bizarre. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the things you need to think about. If they are so ratings driven, if this because there's, I mean, we're sports fans. There's nothing going on at the end of July, beginning of August, every right. year. I mean, that's why we go. That's why something like Superbad can make so much money and be a surprise comedy hit. That's why anything that comes out in that August range, that first horror movie of the year that comes out late August, early September, usually does surprisingly well because people are starved for content. So if you put this in the smack dab dead of summer like that, it might do incredibly well. And what does that do for the entire industry going forward I, I just think there's there's a lot of things that are obviously and I, i'm not mentioning them all because i'm not smart enough to think of them all but there's a lot to keep in mind and keep your eye on this is going to be a momentous change uh mm -hmm. my biggest concern is you're citing that there was a three-year plan implemented when this happened in the 30s i have to believe television and studio to theater contracts were much more laxed and not as specific back then than they are would be in 2020 so how does that all come into play like can you even move oscars 2022 right now or would abc just be amicable to it as a response to this do they have to get abc in the room before they actually officially move yeah, this oscars to talk about the next oscars are all the studios going to be okay with that? Uh, there's so many pieces to this that have to go in motion together. Now, Michael, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Oscars, but I, I did have a weird idea for the film festivals because the film festivals are trying to do half virtual, some in-person screenings, and they still got to be the grassroots campaign you know, hub for a lot of these films that will ultimately build towards an Oscars campaign, right? Okay. Here's my idea, and you're going to be very excited about this. I don't know <laughs> if this would work, but 
let's say you have a collection of film critics and movie stars and directors just like you have on the dais of every film festival you have a board of directors you have a you have people voting on these movies at every one of these right mm-hmm. spike lee etc will 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 headline it for for can for instance what if you did like a virtual reality show in a way and then you have a season of tv or even if it's like a week where you're picking the Toronto International Film Festival winners or the Cannes Film Festival winners, and you do it like a reality show where one movie gets voted off a week and you just get some savvy producers in there figuring out narratives. I mean, what is Annie T going to say about this movie? <laughs> like you can give them constrictions about what they can say about uh, various films and just tease the films. And, you know, they can argue, they can debate movies here and there, but they can't spoil them, obviously. And then you have some stars who probably will spoil them because they can't help it. They're, they're uh, you know, above the law. But I think it, it could be like, I mean, we would watch that every night. If it's just like a 15-minute vignette, in terms of a reality show that they put on their streaming platform, their streaming service, their website, we would totally watch that. And it could get some buzz. If something took off, it could get some buzz where the Cannes Film Festival jury is deciding upon the movie. And every day they give somebody a rose or don't give somebody a rose. I haven't watched reality TV in a while. <laughs> First of all, I'm totally in for the rose idea for these movies mm-hmm. just because it makes no sense and I'm there. Second of all, I'll tell you why I would watch that, Mike. The backlash would be astounding. <laughs> like, it would be Twitter would literally explode. I think it would actually break because yeah, but, people would get just out of their minds. I mean, it's a great way to get publicity. All right. Well, I'm defending my idea for a second though, because how much backlash could you get if nobody's seen the films? Right. That's the other the side of it. You're only going to get backlash about the biggest films. Right. right. So, like, if if it was Tiff from last year, if Joker gets crowned, is there going to be immediate ups outrage? Well, right. yeah, there already yeah. was. You know, yeah. so it is possible. But yeah, for the lower films or smaller films, it wouldn't be there. <laughs> you got anything else on this Oscar story, Mike? Or can I, we move on? Just something we're going to keep an eye on. I got nothing yeah. else specific. We can talk about the other stories that we have in show. But obviously, this is the big, big story that we're going to be uh, talking about for weeks to come now. Yeah, and we wouldn't be surprised if news drops at any minute. Right. And, we'll, you know, we'll try to cover that for you folks. And, and to our credit, like we've been on, I mean, we've been saying that this thing is probably going to have to move for a while. Yeah, so. I, I, I think moved and not canceled. I would be, I still stand by that. I will be mm-hmm. shocked if they actually pull the plug on Oscars 2021 with the museum and no, the ad revenue and all that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing it's going to have to move. You just can't cancel four months of the film year. I mean, it's just Agree. absurd. Agree. Anyway, Tom Hanks, he has sold – he has sold his production <laughs> company <laughs> behind Greyhound, the submarine movie that released a trailer. Uh, Sony, I believe, was going to uh, distribute this film, and Apple TV just bought it. For $70 million or around there is the reported wow. price – Price? That's not a word. Price uh, mm-hmm. that Mike Fleming Jr. of Deadline cited. This is Apple's biggest commitment to a film to date. My guess is this gives Sony a little piece of profit while covering all the production and marketing costs already spent. Uh, this is a move we've seen and done similarly in the past with other streaming services. So I, I think there's a blueprint for this type of thing, especially during this pandemic now. Reports were swirling all week that Apple TV is finally buying a library to go along with their new stuff. They need one. Yeah, up until now, it's $5 a month for only their new stuff, and it's kind of frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going back to back to it that often, even though now I kind of am again with the morning show because I'm getting into that. But bottom line is Apple needs that library, 
And it makes sense based on what we've heard, Netflix paying for original content, what we've heard, Hulu paying for Parasite. I mean, that number is not that outlandish. I mean, we've seen hundred million, you know, $300 million deals just to producers of the content for Netflix, for instance. So it might be worth Apple's while to ante up that price tag. Yeah, you would think if Netflix can rack up all that kind of debt, then Apple, who's been around and having been like just printing money for the last decade plus or 15 yeah. years or so, can uh, probably do at least that much. I Yeah, I don't have much to say about this. I mean, this is pretty black and white. Apple further legitimizes themselves in the film world with this move. Even though this isn't the Tom Hanks movie that even has the most Oscars buzz attached to it coming out in 2020, I mean, does it have the, the third most buzz? If BIOS is involved <laughs> right. too. So, so I mean, this just seems to be one that's like for your dad, I guess. You know, it's like it was supposed to come out in theaters on Father's Day anyway. Maybe they mm-hmm. still release it on Father's Day on Apple TV, and not, the appeal of it is obvious. You know, I mean, you were going to go see this on Father's Day for 20 bucks. Well, for six bucks or 5.99, now you can have a whole month of Apple TV. Get this movie. Stay indoors, stay safe, and check out everything else we have to offer. So I think this is a smart move all around, honestly. Now here's the question. Are they going to follow the Netflix model or the pandemic model and just put it straight up on their streaming service? We've made these arguments before where that should be the most beneficial thing to Apple TV Plus because the exclusivity you know, resides on their streaming platform. Or are they going to do the Amazon thing where they respect all the windows? The movie has a life in the theaters. It has a life uh, on, on VOD, PVOD, if you will. And then it has a life on the streaming service. Or is, is, is uh, Steven Spielberg going to have a say in this, Michael? Because that dude will be eating so much foot or crow or (laughs) like if they just put this movie straight up on the streaming service, like he has championed Apple TV plus. I mean, I I, obviously he's in business with them. So like he came out a year ago, almost, you know, around now where he was like, you know, we got to save the theatrical movie going experience. You know, these movies should be up for Emmys, not Oscars. You know, we got we got to hold to we got to stick to our guns academy like we got to make a change. And then like a month later, him and Oprah were pushing Apple TV plus and right. we were confused. <laughs> but it seemed like they were go- they've been going for Emmys up till now. Yeah, I don't think he has a hill to die on right now with that argument as far as this pandemic goes. Because, I mean, with the Academy already coming out and all, we're going to get to the other guilds and award shows coming out to following suit and saying, look, basically the theatrical window or the theatrical requirement this year for eligibility is pretty much waived in most cases. uh, Right. Prohibitive some certain circumstances. I I, I mean, he doesn't, what's he going to, you can't. There's nothing to complain about right now. Well, you can't. At, what this, do you do? at this juncture, they can do whatever they want, right. whatever's best for them, and they'll get a free pass. I guess for the at the moment, exactly. even though you and I may not give them a free pass. <laughs> anyway, some industry news: we have the Screen Actors Guild, the Producers Guild of America, and the Directors Guild of America. All of those award shows will now essentially follow the new Academy slash HFPA rules plan about making non-theatrical premieres eligible, Michael. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, but uh, it is pretty funny to at least imagine one of the guilds wanting to die on that hill and restrict nominations (laughs) and eligibility to only theatrical films, so we get, like, Onward versus, like, Unhinged for, like, the PGA's top prize. That'd make me laugh. (laughs) You would be the... uh... (laughs) 
the Heath Ledger character <laughs> laughing at the chaos of that, wouldn't yeah, you? I would love that. I would I would speak to my heart, but no, obviously. Uh, I think all three also did a good job in underscoring that this is a temporary adjustment just for the COVID era. Uh, the yeah. SAGs were the ones that did announce their chain in an the change in an email. They haven't gone and officially announced it yet. So that was another thing that was just leaked from a SAG member uh, to one of the trades. And that's something that's going to happen, but it is in talks. It just hasn't been formally rolled out yet. Now, if the Academy had made the move already to delay, then everybody would have more time. And I wonder if some of these other award shows would make different rule changes because the calendar has more time for people to exhibit and therefore they can be more stringent or more old school or more new school or either one and we could have a a more interesting story to talk about here but that has not happened yet do you know what russell crowe's character's name is in unhinged i saw it the other day (laughs) no what is it the man oh god (laughs) i'm just saying don't sleep on his oscars chances that's all Mike, the documentary branch of the Academy, they have eased eligibility requirements as well. But this rule change in particular has some fallout because Mr. Feinberg over at the Hollywood Reporter, he now thinks many more films will be able to qualify. So you you can explain this to me. Yeah, it was a bit interesting, too. He made note that this wasn't an Academy announcement. Every change we've had for the Oscars so far has been this big sweeping press release and this big Board of Governors meeting. This one was just a, a quick change on their website that Scott happened to seek out and find for himself. So hmm. uh, kudos to him. And I wonder what the difference was or why the, uh, the, the change. And my guess is because this does cast an incredibly wide net and allows a lot of films to come in. And if it was too widely reported a story, maybe it upsets people in the film industry and the narrative feature branches. Uh, why does this only apply to documentary movies only? But anyway, here are the new rules. Documentaries are qualified for the Oscars this year if... They were accepted into at least two of a list of qualified film festivals. They just have to be shown at those festivals. And previously, they would have to win certain awards at certain festivals to even be uh, eligible to make the Oscars. That's not the case this year. They just have to have already been announced by a festival. Whether or not that festival even went on and actually showed films at all, it doesn't matter. They just had to have been in at least two of those uh, preferential festivals or, as far as streaming documentaries go, any documentary shown on any streaming service that had planned a theatrical rollout and follows the feature film rules regarding the 60-day window to appear on Academy streaming services. So basically what this is saying is pretty much every major streaming service documentary is eligible, and pretty much any serious documentary is eligible, but it's also just letting in a ton of other eligible nominees that wouldn't have been in other years, which I think is kind of cool, but going to be a lot more work to parse through. Well, the vetting process has basically been canceled for the documentaries because they can't have the same rules in their branch for, you know, featured documentaries because not all of them get the same kind of theatrical release. So it would be probably unfair, you know, to force them to qualify like, you know, feature films, even though documentary film box office has improved over the last couple of years. Here's my question to you, though, Mike. What happens within this particular branch? Because in our uncultured (laughs) opinions, they have whiffed on some of the best movies, but we will grant them 
the benefit of the doubt because you and I don't know all the problems of the world necessarily, or we don't, I we really, don't have the taste. I love your being political about this and politically correct. And I'll go the other, other way. The doc feature <laughs> branch has sucked the last couple of years. They've sucked and they've had a col- <laughs> eclectic taste. Thank you. You've given me permission to rage now. They've had eclectic and weird taste. They picked some, you know, some issue movies that were just not good movies, but obviously important issues. And we've been like, blah, yeah. they've even picked some big, Big name movies about like RBG. RBG was a puff piece of, of, of all puff pieces. Propaganda. It, it told, yeah, it was propaganda. It's it not, it's not a best documentary feature. And we're too film. liberal saying that, by the way. <laughs> yes, and we liked it. We yeah. liked it, but the same way Becoming is, is a beautiful, right. you know, portrait of Michelle Obama. It is not like journalism, right? So h- how they could put that up there with these other films and, and then bump out, you know, the superior you know, editing jobs of a Won't You Be My Neighbor or a Jane or a uh, Apollo, 11. Apollo 11. Mike, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Here's the only branch I can cling to here. The international film branch, when they widened the field, essentially went with a lot of popular movies last year. And they actually yes. had a crossover with Honeyland from the documentary. Yep category that had more eyes on it so Les Miserables was a big hit at Cannes Pain and Glory was a big hit at Cannes Parasite won Cannes of course and Parasite was a runaway train like another Bong Joon-ho movie so the only dark horse that they picked the only talking about Okja there (laughs) the only dark horse that they picked was that joke was better than the laugh you just gave it sir It's Sorry, go ahead. This delay. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to plow through. We're going a little long. I know. But I think uh, I think documentary films build these grassroots campaigns in, in this category. And are they going to go the direction of the international film category? Is the documentary branch going to do that? Or are we going to get five weird ass movies nominated because now they can choose from five hundred instead of? 150. Yeah, gun to my head, I would think that your instinct is the same one I have and that it's going to be more of a populist movement, which is completely ironic if you look at what the Oscars were trying to avoid and exclude and kind of like segregate the populist movements a couple years ago. Now they're kind of being forced into it in all categories, which I think is just the height of irony. But yeah, if if I had to pick one of the one way or the other, my guess would be they go with the bigger names in the same for the same reasons that we've been saying that this Oscars might be dominated by all big names because it's going to be impossible to get a grassroots movements going because there's no festivals to have grassroots movements started. Yeah, that and that's the big thing. Now, there is p- the potential for a grassroots movement for this next movie because you and I are going to start it, start this right now. <laughs> we have yes. a doggy documentary, and it is called Stay. It won the Tribeca, Tribeca Documentary Awards. If I keep flubbing my lines, we're never going to get this grassroots movement going. <laughs> How do you feel about this? I, I, give me a good doggy doc. I mean, but here's the thing. You better make it happy. Have the doggy live forever. If we had this, uh, you know, in terms of a Rotten Tomato review somewhere that I read is is a tearjerker. You and I are not thinking. We are pulling our support. We are pulling our endorsement immediately. And I will not see this movie. And I'm sure you th- think the same thing. That was a good job by you. You are a good boy and you deserve a treat for that analysis. Mike, Yorgos <laughs> Lanthimos and Tony McNamara, they are reteaming for the Hawkline Monster, which I think we've previewed previously. Yeah, because I read the book because I heard that uh, Yorgos was going to do this, and this book was so weird, Mike. That sounds sounds par for the course. (laughs) 
I could totally see him like making this an Oscar movie though, because it's not like your traditional, you know, monster in a house film. It's very bizarre. It's like playing with all these psychotropic things going on or mind melding or whatever telepathy. It's, it's a one of those. So this could go in either direction. Like Lanthimos could make an Oscar movie or this could be on VOD for seven ninety nine, like in a couple <laughs> months. So the McNamara is right around the favorite. He has his job come out, uh, you know, uh, cut out for him here because these two gunslinger characters are basically just two guys screwing anything that moves for the first <laughs> 150 pages of this book. It's really weird that so they're going to make this into a movie. If, if it's, it's a Yorgos McNamara film, you need those two leads. Who are they in a perfect world? Well, I hear Elle Fanning is supposed to be in this. So yes. to start this off very awkwardly, we watched her grown up on screen, and I don't want to see, see her be sexual at all. In fact, I watched a goddamn Australian Western movie, True History of the Kelly Gang. Yes. And Thomas and McKenzie's nude in that. No, like. nobody needs that. Well, I mean, look. I'm, I, I'm sure. Fuck? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure she's growing into her own sexual. We say nobody That's needs fine. that because we see her. As nobody like a should be sister. naked ever. Right. No, nobody should be naked ever anywhere <laughs> ever. That's my new stance, Agreed. my old fogey stance. But like, like, who am I going to pick for this? Shia yeah. LaBeouf? Like he showed his wiener on screen before. I don't know. I don't want any you of it. Have, you have a weird, weird benchmark as to what qualifies someone for this role. <laughs> my mind goes into the gutter immediately. I guess. All right, Mike, we do have our first Feinberg forecast for the Emmys races this year. That just came out this week. Yeah, a bunch of takeaways. And uh, I was shocked that The Handmaid's Tale and Big Little Lies, they've been previous Emmy winners, previous Emmy nominees at the very least. In The Handmaid's Tale's case, too many S's. Anyway... (laughs) They're major threats in the in, in the big category there. I was excited to see what we do in the shadows. That's a front runner for best comedy series, so that's cool. I think you and I both have to watch Tony Collette's show yeah. on Netflix. It's a mini series called Unbelievable, so we got to cue that Kate up. Devers is in that as well. Yeah, so a lot of great actresses yeah. involved there, and it's confirmed now based on the best TV movie category that he had. Bad Education going toe to toe with El Camino for best TV movie. Blow the Man Down is a possibility on that list as well. So that answers some questions for us. Yeah, good. And with a couple of movies that were in that category that we already covered, this is going to be another succession year, though, isn't it? Oh, after that season too, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's and I, marvelous, Mrs. Maisel, and marvelous Mrs. for the comedy side. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. That's how. But you never exactly know what I would think. You never know. I mean, the the pre the precursor award shows or the it's strange. The Emmys, like the Golden Globes, happen after the Emmys, and the Golden Globes usually are like, no, nah, we're going to pick the cooler movie. We're not going to pick what you pick because you <laughs> picked it. We'll pick a new movie. So it's it's strange how the Emmy and the TV season plays out. Are you? trying to tell me that the hfpa <laughs> marches to the beat of their own drum i've heard it somewhere <laughs> somebody po- posited a theory and then i researched it and I, I confirmed it yeah all right let's wrap it up with this we were talking updated best picture odds for the 2020 2021 academy awards whenever they may be uh let's talk and let's dive into some odds right now so we have two movies right now that share the best odds and they're still quite 
large odds because obviously we don't know what's going on in the world. Never mind the film industry. Never mind next year's Oscars. So at eight to one, the best odds, the lowest odds right now, both the trial of the Chicago seven and news of the world, which is, we already mentioned the Tom Hanks Oscars movie that we think has the best Oscars odds. Those are both sharing the first place uh, odds at eight to one apiece. So Mike, we have a uh, September film in the trial of uh, Chicago seven, and we have a Christmas film. <laughs> in news of the world that they i mean they took from me basically i said it was going to win the oscar and now everybody's saying they're going to win the oscar it's got the most action on it or not the most money but the most bets basically i'm an influencer is what i've learned good throughout this uh throughout this last week when david long and thanks to david long who sent us these uh and got got us wise to this whole thing probably the wrong word usage there but look I, i it's two big studio movies you know basically fighting it out for for the lead right now i'm surprised it's not a netflix leader in a way and but then again i just talked to andrew of the knobcast for a while he's not surprised if you're an influencer i look very much forward to your tasteful nudes with uh prophetic and inspirational quotes at the bottom of them as justification for posting them uh tied for third place amongst odds we have two movies sharing 10 to 1 odds both the midnight sky and mank which is crawling up the charts right now so these are the two Netflix films, yeah. and I'm shocked that, number one, Netflix bought The Midnight Sky without you and I knowing about it. George Clooney went to Netflix at some point along the line, or I didn't I didn't see that in parentheses anywhere until now, and uh, they're going to have some major films on their slate coming out. So yeah, Netflix films, 10 to 1, they seem like the Oscar contenders, they seem like they should even be above the other two in a way. Because of the quality of people involved, and yet they're on the outside looking in a little bit. If this virus rebounds, this is a take I had on Twitter this week, too, when people were talking about this year's Best Picture. It actually was from Matt Negley of Next Best Pictures post. But if this virus rebounds, I can't imagine Netflix doesn't actually come through and win something big major this year because if everyone's going to be relegated to their inside their homes in all the major cities and all the cinematic hubs they're just going to have netflix at their disposal and they're going to have to keep rewatching these films that just makes a lot of logical sense to me so maybe this is finally the year and maybe that's why netflix is snatching up these properties because they went all in on the irishman and marriage story last year and they left with a little egg on their face afterwards so maybe they're not uh you know fool me once type of thing well Uh, they're not going the uh quality route they're going the quantity route or maybe it's quality of quantity of quality route but hillbilly elegy that's what i was gonna say we haven't even mentioned it yet that's all the way down to 20 to 1 that was not 20 to 1 last we talked about it i thought it was like 8 to 1 or or 10 to 1 last time we talked about maybe a 14 to 1 but bottom line is that one's falling down to five bloods is not on the list yet which is not a good sign for that film or or is it? I don't know. I mean, maybe it could, maybe it could just surprise people. It's so good, and then now now it can really be a bona fide contender that not enough people know about it. Yeah, the Five Bloods is all the way down the list at twenty five to one. Now this list is still it, it's kind of not exactly up to date. King Richard, which has already been announced for twenty twenty one, it's not going to be airing in twenty twenty at all. They still do include it because who again who knows what the cutoff for twenty twenty one is going to be and all that. So take that for what it's worth. But that's down the list as well. I think that's at forty to one right now. But rounding off the top five, uh, we have at twelve to one odds Macbeth, which has got a lot of momentum at least in the trades I've seen lately. The uh, Denzel Denzel Washington uh, Francis McDormand movie. I'm shocked in the sense that it's. Like, what is it? Nobody knows what it is yet. How can they bet on it this hard if they don't know if it's like a, a literal Shakespeare adaptation or if it's 
or maybe we're just, you know, sleeping on the job here. We don't know what it is yet. And the last Macbeth adaptation was gorgeous and did nothing in, at the, in award season with Fassbender. So who the hell knows? I mean, obviously you got Cohen brother, you got Denzel Washington, you got Francis McDormand. So a lot that, of talent could sell it right there. Uh, in terms of the, green, did you say the green Knight again? No, but that's what I was getting to next. That's six, baby. Well, depending there's other movies in the way I'll touch on, but yeah, the green Knight's hanging on strong. What the hell is it doing there? So I mean, I, I the green I, Knight has great. pictures of someone, right? It's got <laughs> dirty pictures or some kind of blackmail of somebody. It's a 24. Isn't it a 24? Yeah. Yeah. A 24. When? I mean, all right. Moonlight. <laughs> I guess that's at room. All right. But it's been a while since A24 has really got mounted an Oscar campaign. And this has that silly green man who's apparently also a knight in its trailer. I feel like we're still getting, like, punked or (laughs) trolled or whatever the the term is right now. The the trailer was ridiculous. Like, something like Bernstein, which I had to look up, was basically about, you know, Broadway guy Leonard Bernstein that Bradley Cooper is writing, directing, and starring in. Even though IMDb says that's coming out in 2021. Like, that sounds like an Oscar film to me. But who knows? Maybe we'll get... You know, fish sex part do or whatever's the we're just upping the ante this year. I don't know. There's a couple films, notable films with varying odds from different books right now. West Side Story you could find at nine to one. You could also find it as low as sixteen to one. The French mm. Dispatch you can find at ten to one. You could also find that as low as sixteen to one. Uh, and Tenant is the other one of note. You could find that at fourteen to one, just like the Green Knight and Bearstein. You could also find that as as low or as high. I should be saying as twenty to one as well. The common denominator for all of these films right now, except for Tenant and Defy Bloods, even though that's way down the card, is all of them have bad trailers. That can't be good, right? I think it's just nobody knows what's going on. And if you look at the most popular bets, I find it hard to believe, and this is kind of going on on the same direction, I find it hard to believe there's a lot of money being spent right now on any one thing. And yeah... Okay, News of the World has the best odds with Trial of Chicago 7, but if you look at the most popular bets, half of the action, 49.02% according to Odds Checker thus far, have been has been on bets placed on News of the World to win. The Trial of Chicago 7, which has the same betting odds, has mm-hmm. less than 11% of the total action on it right now, which means that it has to have similar money being placed on it. So while there's less bets total bets being put on the trial of chicago seven and the, if you look at that pie chart you think the news of the world is blowing everything away the money's got to be relatively equal right now for them to have the same odds look mike i mean when i speak people listen and money moves when i speak the market moves and therefore uh when i'm wrong later in the year because i've been wrong every year uh, I will be killed. I will be hunted down and murdered because now we have gone out on a limb. You got me into this whole gambling stuff. You got you you sucked me into the whole get ga- like we're gonna cover gambling. We're gonna keep covering it. And then David Long is laughing. He's laughing in his chair right now because I'm gonna be a dead man. I hope I predicted news of the world, and now I'm gonna be dead man when it loses. I just hope you've gotten all you can out of your kneecaps so far. That's you know. If you have to lose those someday, that comes with the territory of covering this type of stuff, Mike. That's a danger you just have to go in knowing. Uh, I didn't know it. That was totally <laughs> ignorant of it. <laughs> After my bravado, this is me being really afraid. I've been walking around with my shins connected to my thighs like Cotton Hill for the last three months of this pandemic. You haven't seen it. 
All right, that is your look around everything awards season and Oscars centric. That is going to do it for this week's Oscar Race Checkpoint. As always, guys, we want to hear from you. We want your input about anything we covered and discussed in this episode, as well as anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those comments, questions, concerns, and takes at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you are quarantining with us and letting us kill an hour or so of your day a few times a week, we cannot thank you enough. And in turn, if you would be so kind, dear listener, as to leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app, that would be very, very cool of you. Mike will give you one of his kneecaps if you do. Michael, (laughs) what is some words of wisdom and what's coming next from MMO? Words of wisdom is go listen to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I wanted to give Andrew a shout out yes. on the show. I mentioned him a couple times during the program, and I, I didn't write him down really. It was just it just came up because I did go on and collaborate with him again. We reviewed the half of it after he reviewed the Lovebirds. He got early access to that, so that's a great episode. All of his episodes are great, so you know subscribe to his show and, and always have fun. He's a friend, uh, so I love going on there. What's coming next, Michael? We kind of decided at the beginning of this episode we're going to do a fun uh, show on the lovebirds in our own right. And I hope that's not a metaphor. Well, maybe I hope it is a metaphor. If you like him so much, why don't you marry him? (laughs) That was being saved up during that entire uh, (laughs) rant by me. That came out at the weirdest time, too. Everybody's going to think that's a delay. But that was just you just couldn't couldn't hold it in anymore. I was stewing for that entire promo. You could have came on, too. I asked you to come on. <laughs> Don't tell them Fuck that. You. That makes me sound lazy. That puts the impetus on me, not on you. Uh, I want it on you. <laughs> well, you got me angry, so I told. I, I spoke out of turn. No, I'm Sorry. Joking, of course. We love Andrew. Anyway, uh, anyway the, the schedule that we have, we're going to do the Lovebirds, and we're going to do a top five Love on the Run uh, movies episode. So it'll do like a 15-minute non-spoiler review for you folks, and then we'll do a, a top five episode because we had a blast doing that top five episode last week so we got another one of those in the can not in the can but in in our plans and mike we got some oscar movies to review or some at least some oscar hopefuls or at least some better movies let's just say (laughs) we got shirley the five bloods the king of staten island all coming out in june that we have plans to review so it's going to be a better month we hope yeah and i hate rom-coms and love stories and you know that if you've listened to us so that'll be a very interesting top five episode you're going to want to hear because mike is the open romantic he appreciates a good love story uh, and he's not nearly as cynical as i am he does have his cynicisms but you like, you know, you like these, you can pick five badass love on the run movies. I mean, you could pick natural born killers if you want. You can get dark. Right. With all that's, these that's the, that's the bright side of this is that there are a lot of options. I'm going to pick five when in Rome's and that'll be my list. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> five letters to Juliet. Oh, <laughs> are they, do they even, they run, of course they run at the end of the movie. <laughs> But Everybody. that doesn't have to count. Everybody they could, they should be on the run the whole movie. <laughs> Stay tuned for all of that, guys. Uh, Mike, did you did you wear or wasn't right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Watch. Listen to the Nomcast. My better friend Andrew there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to cut that, but I'll leave it in. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies and uh, listen to us and our absurd ramblings and bitter arguments apart from one another. Uh, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. Thank you.